DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Is Jesus Calling You? A Spiritual Guide for Discerning Your Vocational Call with Father Paul Hazing. Father Hazing is a priest of the Archdiocese of Omaha. He has served as a Director of Catholic Campus Ministry, a Director of the Office of Vocations, and has been a trusted spiritual director for the Institute for Priestly Formation. Father Hazing currently serves as the Dean of Seminarians and Director of Human Formation for Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Is Jesus Calling You? A Spiritual Guide to Discerning Your Vocational Call with Father Paul Hazing. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Hazing. Thank you. We are reflecting on, Is Jesus Calling You to Be a Catholic Priest? A wonderful guide that has been produced. The National Conference of Diocesan Vocation Directors has so many lessons for us. We've been able to break open lesson one, that you must encounter Christ to know him personally. Mm-hmm. Lesson two, learn to desire what God desires for you. And once we've done those first two steps, it really leads us to one of the most important callings we have as Christians in that encounter is to trust. You look at the sacred heart of Jesus, Mm -hmm. trust Mm -hmm. in the sacred heart of Jesus. You look at the divine mercy. He calls us, trust in me. Jesus, I trust in you. Exactly. But that is one of the hardest things to do. Whenever we look at the theological virtues or look at... uh, and then look at how we may be uh, wrestling with something in our spiritual life. It's usually uh, in the key of one of those theological virtues, faith. Uh, Do we have faith in the truth that is offered to us through the good news, uh, through the sacraments? Do we have faith? Do we believe? Uh, Love, are we adhering to his person? Are we captivated by his person in love? And then hope, do we... Do we trust in the promises? But there's trust in all three of those. Trust really encapsulates, if you will, or or has an element in all three of those. Uh, or rather say, there's an element of trust in the faith, for sure. A trust that says, I, I trust that everything that this person is offering is true. I trust in this person and the truth they offer. Love, I, I I'm willing to show everything vulnerable and weak about myself to this person because I trust them in love and hope. I, I, I trust in their promises, their goodness. And this is where we left off, the goodness of the Father. And do we believe and hope for and love a Father who is so good? Do we believe in a Father who is that good? Do we love a Father who we understand to be willing to give us his only son? And do we hope for all things from a father who has a loving plan for us? He's promised to give what we need. Do we hope? Do we trust? And so this next lesson, the spiritual lesson, trust God. It's the simplest and shortest lesson. It's just two words, trust God. Brings us right back to that first step the vocation is received and it's not something that you make up or figure out. You receive it by trusting Jesus. It's the operative atmosphere for receiving. Uh, Sometimes in discernment, folks will make one of two mistakes. 
say, okay, well, it's something I, I receive. It's a gift. And so discernment of a vocation, uh, a vocation is a gift. I'll just wait and look and see. You know, I'll just kind of wait here and be very passive. If God wants me to give me discernment and give me a vocation, that's up to him. And I'm not just going to worry. I'm not going to worry about it at all. All right. So to be relieved from worry and anxiety, that's one extreme of passivity. And this isn't going to work. It's like just being a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, God can't talk to a wall. You have to be attentive to God and his stirring. The opposite extreme is to say, I'm going to work really hard at discernment. I'm going to work really, really hard at at, uh, at this prayer life of discernment. And, and it be, starts to become, I'm working hard, focused on I. I'm working hard enough, I will be able to do it. And so it tends to those calculating tendencies that we all are plagued with for what I can work at for myself. And so in these two extremes, we see that it's about an I on the one hand, and it's about ignoring God on the other hand, because I don't like the worry. So in discernment, what we're doing is disposing ourselves. It's a spirit of disposition that has the content and tone of trust. The disposition to receive a gift. And so in discernment of a vocation, it's twofold. Uh, Working at a disposition in trust to receive the gift of the vocation. This is the fundamental stance that we take in this third step. Trust God. We'll return in just a moment to Is Jesus Calling You? with Father Paul Hazing. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Amen.
A teaching of St. Paul from his letter to the Ephesians. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having all to stand. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace. Besides all these, taking the shield of faith, with which you can quench all flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We now return to Is Jesus Calling You? with Father Paul Hazing. The opposite of trusting is doubting. Hmm. And for many people, they have experienced great amounts of disappointment because trust has been placed in persons or events or in certain things that didn't go the way we thought that it should go. Hmm or that we anticipated that they come to a certain outcome. And so we begin to doubt our instincts. We begin to doubt, Mm -hmm. and we become very cautious. Mm -hmm. And our relationship with God, it's so important not to base God, make the person of Jesus, the person that let us down, the human person that may have let us down, whether it's a parent or a, a teacher or a friend, that's a struggle, and the only way we can learn to trust him is to keep our eyes fixed on him. You mentioned doubt as uh, the opposite of trust. In, in the key of faith, doubt would be that opposite of trust. In the key of love, it would be unlove, uh, an indifference or an ignoring or a, a passivity, an unlove there. A, a lukewarmness would be the opposite of trust there in, in the key of love. And then the key of hope, the opposite of trust would be despair a real discouragement and despair that leads us back into ourselves. And in those keys, those those spirits of desolation, those desolating spirits of despair and doubt and isolation or unlove or passivity or lukewarmness, uh, they can all be aggravated by the memories of hurts and, and uh, past interactions with, with others letting us down. And this is going to happen in our sinful condition, our sinful world, which is why that second step, learning to desire what God desires, uh, will ultimately uh, come out of that realization that others aren't going to satisfy me, but he will. He'll satisfy me. And Father Richter gives us this great uh, episode in the gospel. We throw ourselves into the gospel here, and we consider that scene of Matthew on the Sea of Galilee, where the disciples got into the boat and proceed him to the other side. Father Richter recounts that whole gospel passage. And mind you, when we go to the gospels to pray, it really is about finding those uh, moments of our Lord's life and reading them whole and entire and reading them with an attentiveness to the scripture text and then what that text 
seems to be saying to our heart and receiving that from the Lord. And so paying attention to those desires, those affective desires, those thoughts and feelings that rise up and really magnetize us to a certain passage of Scripture. We'll be drawn into that passage of Scripture. And Father Richter draws our attention to at least four points in this Scripture passage. For here we see it was evening, and he went on to the mountain by himself alone to pray. Meanwhile, the boat was a few miles offshore and was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come, Peter. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And so the opposite of the faith, the doubt there. But we're led there through those elements that really hold us back from trust. The first one, Jesus is walking on the sea. Jesus seems to be doing something impossible to us. And at first, in receiving a vocation, many will say, that's impossible for me. It's impossible. I can't do that. Jesus is walking. He'll let us walk with him. This is the first point of this gospel that Father Richter leads us into. When we're consciously aware of a reality that is beyond us, beyond our grasp, beyond our comprehension, when we're consciously aware of that, this is where Jesus is calling you to trust him. That's the first step. Consciously aware that we cannot do this on our own. And Father Richter gives us great phrase. He, he brings us then into a classroom, a school, if you will, of dependence. We have a declaration of independence in this United States of America. Mm-hmm. We're very proud of being independent. But this isn't the gospel virtue that we're being introduced to in discernment. Discernment is about dependence on him. Any declaration of independence is going to be out of place here. Mm -hmm. We'll sink. And so we're brought into a classroom of dependence in our hearts where he wants us to experience his love and teach us how to trust him. Now, this episode of the gospel is during a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and the storm becomes a very important piece of the whole image, and our hearts may rest on the fact that Peter is in a storm, and he's being called to walk on water that's that's entirely beyond him, and so we're brought to a second point. He does walk on the water. Peter's story allows us to see that place where God wants us to receive his help, where he wants us to experience him taking care of us. Peter walks in the water as Jesus is taking care of him in the midst of the storm. Peter's got his trust in Jesus. Peter's totally taking care of him. And so in this classroom of dependence, we 
we begin to experience how he's always taking care of us when we keep our eyes fixed on him. But then Peter doesn't keep his eyes fixed on Jesus. Mm -hmm. He loses sight of Christ. He's receiving Jesus and Jesus is receiving him and Peter's walking on the water and Jesus is providing for him to do so and and Peter's experiencing the providence of Jesus precisely within this storm going on in his life. But then what does Peter do? He began to walk toward Jesus, but when he saw how strong the storm wind was, he became frightened and began to sink. So, Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water. God wants us to receive his providential care. That was the second point. Peter receives his care by focusing on Jesus the whole time. That's the third point. But then, Peter sees how strong the storm is. And the storm takes his attention off Jesus. And the moment he takes his attention off Jesus, off the person of Christ, receiving in trust that care, he then begins to sink. And so the fourth point is this, the choice in your heart not to trust is the choice to focus on the storm, to try to figure it out, to try to calculate how well you'll do, to try to control it, instead of focusing on Christ and his desire for you, in the storm, we look at the storm. And so we see in this fourth point, really a way out of trust that leads to desolation. It leads to uh, despair and doubt. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And so he took his eyes off Jesus. We hear in Hebrews that great phrase, Hebrews 12, 2, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. When we keep our eyes fixed on him, he purifies our faith and and hones us in on him in such a way that these storms and this water and all of the confusions around us don't affect us. The affection of our heart is toward him and receiving from him. And this is a key to discernment that will be there the entire time, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, receiving from him, focused on him, attentive to him. We take our eyes off him, we begin to sink. Mm -hmm. And so this is an important gospel episode that really becomes uh, a fundamental scene and a fundamental lesson for the rest of the way. It's an important teaching for all of us who wish to remain faithful mm. and not fearful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fear that sneaks up on Peter, uh, the gospel just makes it very explicit. that it, it doesn't sneak up as much as it, it happens to him. The moment he takes his eyes off, he begins to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. Immediately, the, Jesus stretched out his hand. And this is, this is also important to point out. Jesus is stronger than any of our fears. He's stronger and more powerful than anything we think would hold us back. He's stronger than any sin. He's, he's conquered death. He's the Lord of history. He's the Redeemer of all mankind. When we're in a consolation, when we experience his consolation, the readiness to reach out to him, to call out to him, will be there. When we're in desolation, when we're 
down on ourselves and we start to sink, we may fail to call out to him and become lost children. This is something you hear in the devotion of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Uh, this readiness to call out him is, is this call out to him is is what any storm around us should should lead us to do. Once we sense we're being attacked or sense we're having strong lies at work in our lives, once we hear that to call out to him, he will stretch out his hand. So to be assured that when we do fall or when we do fail to keep our eyes fixed on him, our immediate response to call out to him in faith, he will respond. He'll receive us back. We shouldn't skip that part and say, oh, we take our eyes off. We failed him. We call out to him. He'll lift us. It, he's as near as his, his name, Jesus. It's so extraordinary that God gave us his name. God has a name. His name is Jesus. He saves us. He saved Peter. He'll do the same for any one of us. The key is to grab for that hand. Mm -hmm. He offers it. It's free. There's no condition. He's, we can't repay him. We can thank him. We can constantly go back to that thanksgiving that we sense in our heart. And that was at the beginning of the first lesson. Where do we feel thankful, grateful? And like I said at the beginning, that's a, a real indicator. It's like a flag or a windmill up in the plains. I remember looking over the plains one time. I was thirsty. And we're working in a field. We're fixing fence. And when you're thirsty and you're tired, you need some water. We were out of water. You look for the windmill. And the windmill will have water. Where there's thanksgiving, where there's a desire to thank God, there's going to be wells of encountering him there. He'll want to give us water that will never make us thirsty again, recalls the woman at the well. And so where we're thankful is where that hand is being offered to us. And so to reach out and grab that in thanksgiving is, is part of that spirit of trust. Also to remember that, again, this is a journey. You're journeying with Jesus on this path of discernment in your vocation and trusting in that each step is there for a purpose and not to be burdened with the fear that if I've started the process and I failed if I don't complete it mm. because that fear is as damaging mm -hmm. as any other fear we bring mm -hmm. into this relationship. Mm. There's a trust that today is enough, that he's taking me here today and I'm here this day, and I'm here on that day. It's allowing him to guide you and not trying to push the process or trying to push the journey or to race ahead without him. We're coming toward him, and he, he's there in front of us. He's always in front of us, beckoning us, calling us. Father Rector goes back to the episode or the uh, image of Michael and his discernment, and he talks about Michael receiving the presence of Christ, growing in Christ, desiring his loving presence, sensing his care, and the priesthood is attractive to him. And he spends time in Mass and in prayer. On those days, his greatest desire is to be with Christ and do his will. But on really busy days, he's being called out, and he, he can't spend time with Christ. He can't go to Mass because he's got to get these things done or do these certain things. His desire isn't on receiving Christ. His desire is on getting things done. And so he experiences his call and discernment of his call as a burden. 
and that burden frightens him. In those days, he doesn't imagine himself as a priest. He he dislikes the possibility of being without his girlfriend and and things in his life, and he feels pressure to figure things out, and there's fear that God may not really want good things for him, much less the, the priesthood. And so on those days, Michael is focusing on the storm. Things in his life, be it fear of failure, fear of loss, fear of rejection, fear of being turned from by his father. And so these are all part of the storm. So when we start to focus on the storm, yes, that's those are the fears that our, our Lord is leading us away from and really leading us through and exploding from the inside because he's there. Mm-hmm. And we're receiving from him. Not from our own wills, but receiving from him. And those fears have no place in him. He's conquered them. As we come to the close of this segment, once again we're offered opportunities to reflect and to ponder on certain aspects of this lesson. We look at this lesson in the classroom of dependence. And so in this classroom or school of dependence, where are you being invited to trust God? What are the storms in your life that make your mind race, causing confusion and fear to rise up in you? Jesus wants to do something for you there. Focus on him. Bring that confusion. Bring those fears to him. Relate it all to him. He wants it all. And desire his love in that. Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. We pray in your presence. And we bring to you all of our fears, all of our confusions. And we focus on you. We keep our eyes fixed on you. As you beckon us, as call us to yourself. Help us to learn trust. To learn that you have all good things in store for us. Grant that we may receive those in the spirit of trust, the gift of vocation in the spirit of trust, and receive your blessing, Almighty God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Is Jesus Calling You? with Father Paul Hazing. This series is based on Is Jesus Calling You to Be a Catholic Priest? A Helpful Guide published by the National Conference of Diocesan Vocation Directors. To hear and or download this episode, or to learn more about what you've heard, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Is Jesus Calling You? with Father Paul Hazing.